1: evening cherries fans and welcome to this latest special show here on up the cherries in all departments before i welcome on my very special guest tonight here's a little bit about our sponsors dental on the banks out what they can do for you visit dentalonthebanks.co.uk Now our special guest tonight is a goalkeeper He started his career in 1986 with Wolverhampton Wanderers. He then had loan spells at Blackpool, Cheltenham and West Bromwich Albion before joining the club. He then played at Arsenal before playing for Huddersfield, and Gillingham, where he actually won the player final. It is a pleasure to welcome onto the show, Vince Bartram. Evening, Vince. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Good to have you on the show. And thank you so much for joining me and Matt on this special show tonight. Um, So let's start off where it all began. So he was born, born in Birmingham. Um, you attended Hagley RC High School. Um, was it during your school days that you started playing football?
2: Yeah, uh, well, I, oh, I, I mean, we moved around a bit. You say I, I attended Hagley, you know, I ended up there at 12. Before then, I, I sort of had four or five different schools. We, we moved about sort of uh, uh, the, the, the West Midlands, uh, you know, sort of Quinton, Hal's Owen, sort of... Uh, even into sort of Baston and then moved out to a place called Cannock near Wolverhampton um, for, for two or three years. And I joined a club there as a what, what we call under nines now. Um, in those days, I, I wanted to be a centre forward, but I wasn't I wasn't good enough. Um, and uh, I, I stopped playing for a couple of years, uh, just played school football. And then, like I say, moved to Hagley. Um, and uh, got in with a, a group of lads. It was a, a, a nice school. Got in with a good group of mates. Uh, and at 13, uh, sort of, uh, you know, messing around on the field one day. And one of the lads said, oh, you, you're good in goal. You should play in goal. And I was like, well, Nick's a goalkeeper. You know I, I, you know, I don't want to sort of take his way. And Nick was like, well, I don't want to play in goal. You can play in goal. So th- that was it. And just for a couple of years, uh, sort of played for the school. And then at, uh, I was 14 um, and got a phone call from a club called Old Swinford. Um, you know, sort of my, my two boys are just sort of playing grassroots football, sort of, you know, my oldest is at Christchurch. And Old Swinford was similar to sort of a Christchurch, Wessex League, Dorset Premier League sort of team. They were in the West Midlands. Um, and this guy was setting up an under-15s team for them. Um, so I joined. Uh, played under 15s but also played they had a, a, an under 18s team that sort of played and had in the league and played in the youth cup and they had a third team that played in a, a, a what well, was basically a pub league around dudley in the the black country um, and then the reserves played in the west midlands division two and the first team played in the west midlands Premier league and after four uh, no two years there um i was 16 at uh, the end of the season um uh, sort of just about to go into 17 I'd stayed on at school for one year and I managed to get in into their first team played four games for their first team and Wolves were looking at a centre forward at, at Old Swinford at the same time and ended up taking the two of us at the end of the season the lad called Neil Edwards and myself um and you know that's that's basically how, how I ended up being a professional goalkeeper
3: um yeah Vince. when did you um decide that goalkeeping was for you then
2: well, I say around sort of twelve, thirteen. You know, I I played a couple of games. I'd come on, and I remember you know probably scoring one goal in my whole old life as a centre forward. And um, like I say it, it just it's something I I always enjoyed. Sort of you know we used to play Wembley and headers and volleys, and I'd go in goal, and you know you'd make a few saves, and it's, oh oh yeah. And, and then when people around you start going, oh, you know, it's the, the peer thing, isn't it? You know, when your mates are telling you, oh you're good, do this, do that, and as soon as I bought my first pair of, you know, literally, you know that that day that the lad said or Nick said to me, I don't want to play in goal. I, I think the next day, um, you know, went into Birmingham with mum, my mum my and dad, bought a, a goalkeeper shirt, bought my first pair of proper goalkeeping gloves, and and that was it. You know, just uh, just never looked back. Fell fell in love with the position, and um, probably you know a bit different to how some of the, the modern keepers do it. I, you know, it's never in an academy. I never sort of had any trials apart from, you know, until Wolves, uh, you know, came in and offered me at 17. Um, I was was lucky, like I say, I've got a good group of mates. Um, My best mate, Darren Wassall, ended up uh, going and playing. He was in, he was at Knott's Forest at the time and he had a good career at Forest and Derby, Birmingham. Um, Lee Sharp was two or three years younger than us. Um, You know, Steve Gwine. And so we all came from, all came from Hagley.
1: Who Vince? Who so did you support um, during your childhood?
2: I was I was a baggy mate. I was a West Brom fan. Brought up, uh, you know, my family are all from the, the like say the the Black Country, Smedwick. Uh, you know, my dad's office was was literally about a quarter of a mile from from the Hawthorns. And as a kid, I you know was a season ticket holder. I was brought up with Cyril Regis, Laurie Cunningham, you know Tony that You know they were, they were a really good team. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was a, a West Brom fan. How was it like playing for Wolves after being a? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I, you know, that's you know, people talk about rivalries, and you know, fans probably don't. It, it's probably hard for them to to. Uh, I wouldn't say accept it, but to understand that you know, I, I I was at Wolves. I was being paid by Wolves. I trained with them um, as a, you know in my younger days. I wasn't in the first team squad, so when the first team were away, I'd go and watch it. You know, so one Saturday I'm at Hawthorns watching Albion. The Saturday after I'm at Molyneux watching the Wolves. And you know, I've got good friends that are Wolves fans. I've got good friends that are Albion fans. And even today, you know, I, I still, you know, I still speak to got allegiances to to both sides. So to me, um, you know, you you take as you find. Um, it, you know, it, it was a sad day, the day that Steve Ball scored a winner at the last minute at the Hawthorns for Wolves to win the game. You know, and. I jumped up and cheered, and you know, looking back, you know, there's, there's probably a part of me <laughs> maybe regrets that. But um, you know, that's what you do. You as a pro, you know, professional, you 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 paid to you know to to be at a club, and you know, while well, while you're at that club, it's there the be all and end all. Yeah. Okay. Um, so signing for Wolves in
3: 1985 was it?
2: Yeah, I, yeah, it's not as straightforward. I, I was at school. I stayed on at school doing A levels. I was one year into my A levels. Um, Wolves. I mean, you know, again, you're going to talk about Bournemouth, I think, and the, uh, you know, the uh, the the sad days and Wolves were that. That's exactly where Wolves were. They hadn't got any money. The the Batty brothers. They were, you know, two sides of the ground. Yeah, two sides of the ground were closed. You know, they were it was unsafe. Um, and Wolves offered me, uh, uh, you know, to this day, that's, I joke it was one of the best contracts I had. I was still at school, um, you know, doing A-levels. But uh, Wolves signed me on what they called non-contract forms. They gave me £50 a week. Uh, you know, it was literally cash in hand. Um, but I, I, I signed that form. And then 12 months later, uh, you know, I, I signed, uh, I finished my A-levels and I, I signed full-time. Uh, As a pro, I wasn't on much more money, but uh, you know, it's yeah, yeah, and sort of that's that's how I got into it.
3: So you made your debut uh, for the club in the uh, fourth division.
2: Eighty, yeah, nineteen eighty-six. Cambridge at home.
3: Cambridge at home, two-one defeat. Yeah, that's right. What do
2: you remember about your debut? Um well it probably started all the story probably started uh I don't know a month six weeks before that uh Tim Flowers was the first team goalkeeper and they uh, Wolves sold him to Southampton um Scott Barrett was the backup keeper first day pre-season he did his knee needed a cartilage operation um so I basically went through pre-season as the only goal, only fit goalkeeper at the club um Brian Little was the manager. Uh, like I say, Wolves were, you know, the lowest of the low at the times. The Batty brothers, uh, you, know, you know, if you talk to Wolves fans, you know, the, uh, there's, a, there's a symmetry with, with Bournemouth probably that, you know, the, the club were very close to going out of existence. Um, and I think it was more, you know, uh, it was a case that I had to play. There were five, five of us all teenagers making our debut that day. Um, you know, Brian Little was the manager. Uh, a legend from his Villa days you know a, a lovely guy um, and I just I, I've, I've said that you know I've done interviews like this before and you know I I, so I I was quite blase I look back now and I think was was that really me you know I just, I just turned up and played football Like you know I, I didn't think oh my god I'm playing football league I'm playing at Molyneux you know they've, I've had 50,000 people here and stuff like that I just went out and played football and um, I did. I did my best. Uh, I think we, we lost with a last minute goal. I uh, got logged to uh, the last minute. Um, I thought I'd done all right, but literally the Monday morning, then um, Brian Little pulled me into the office, sort of said, "Look, son, you know you're going to be a good keeper, but it, it's too soon for you. I need to protect you. Uh, we're going we're, we've, we're going to get someone in on loan." And uh, he said, "But I need you for the cup. Uh, I need you for the League Cup at Lincoln next week." And uh, and that was it. And uh, you know, like, like I say, he brought in Eric Nixon. And then uh, you know, sort of other keepers came in, and I didn't play another league game for six years. No, five years, I think it was. Um, And and, you know, but that that, you know, I was just blasé about it. Like I say, I was I was a young kid. I I'd had no goalkeeping coaching. I was now at this professional club. Uh, um, You know, we we had a goalkeeping coach come in a couple of days a week, and it it was groundbreaking for me. And I was just loving it. And. You know, uh, I didn't mind if I was playing or not. I didn't, you know, I didn't think like that in those days and all this about, you know, competing for a place. I just, yeah, I was was just playing football and someone was giving me some money to to do it.
1: You did have some tough competition between the sticks at Molineux throughout the years there um, with the likes of Mark Kendall and Mike Stell. How was training daily with those guys and did they teach you anything about the game?
2: Yeah, obviously, you know, sort of uh, Kendo, you know, bless him, uh, you know, he's not with us any longer, you know, taken far too soon. Uh, but he he was a, you know, a big influence. He was probably, you know, I'd, like I say, Tim had been at the club for 12 months. I'd, I'd only been going in one day a week. So I had a few sessions with him. Um uh, and, and, you know, so he was a young keeper trying to make a name for himself as well. So, I, you know, while I got on well and, you know, when we trained together, it wasn't, you know, we were sort of individuals. Um, but Kendo came in, and you know, he really took me under his wing, um, you know. And then we had, uh, you know, goalkeeping coach Eric Steele came in two days a week, and you know, that was a massive influence for me as well. Uh, and I just learned, I learned a lot. Uh, and then there were times, like say Stowley came in. Uh, there's another guy, Tony Lang, that the club brought in as well at one stage. So sometimes I was like third choice goalkeeper, and. I'd play out, I'd, I'd sort of go in, you know, sort of sessions, um, you know, Graham Turner, the manager at the time, used to have a set Thursday morning that, you know, you knew what you were doing, you know, even before we turned up. And some days, uh, he, he, he loved this 9v9 and, it, you know, we had a set of rules in the 9v9, but if we hadn't got enough players, I'd play, I'd play as an outfield player. So some days I'd be marking Steve Ball or Andy Much. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not good enough to mark these, but I've got Kendo or Mike Stell behind me communicating, teaching me, telling me what to do. And in my head, I'm learning, A, what I need to do when I'm there from a communication point, but I'm also learning how to defend to mark Steve Ball. So when I am in goal, I can then talk to my defenders about how to, to, um, you know, uh, what I need from my defenders and from a goalkeeping point. So that, you know just the, the whole experience uh, you know I, I came on sort of leaps and bounds with it and, and working with those guys like I say kendo <coughs> uh I don't know how you know if you you remember him or you ever saw him play um he was uh he was you wouldn't call him the finest athlete you've ever seen you know he, he carried a like I am now carrying a few pounds, too many but he was an unbelievable goalkeeper he he could make some unbelievable saves he'd catch crosses and He's probably the goalkeeper that I've seen, and well, before Edison came along, that the assists where he'd catch a ball and he'd he'd got this drive half volley that he'd drive, you know, from a from a counter attack, and Andy much would flick it on and bully would score, and you know, I I lost count on the number of goals that uh, Kendo was an assist for. So uh, yeah, yeah, lots lots to learn from those guys as as a young goalkeeper growing up. Um,
3: yeah, <coughs> During this time, uh, Blackpool, Cheltenham, West Brom. Uh, Did you enjoy your time at those
2: clubs? Yeah, yeah. You know, again, later on, I think we'll probably talk about what I'm doing now and, you know, passing on my experience. And, that. you know, things like that were were good experiences. Um, Blackpool was fantastic. Uh, You know, I I played league football. Um, Like I say, I, I made my debut for Wolves and then I probably had 18 months sort of away from it, sort of uh, 18s and uh, uh, reserve football. <clears throat> and then um, Blackpool offered me a chance of first-team football for a couple of months, and that that was a good experience. Enjoyed that. Cheltenham, I thought, oh God, was that the following season? or um, <clears throat> it, Again, it was literally they'd got... Jim Barron was the, the manager. Um, he'd been at Wolves when I first came in. Um, uh, and then he was there and he got an experienced goalkeeper in, Paul Barron. Um, but Paul had had a cartilage operation and it was literally, you know, sort of uh, they needed someone for four or five weeks. And I went in, started the season. They were in the conference in those days. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, the, the first game of the season, we played Gateshead and, oh my God, I'll never forget the game. I think every single member of the Gateshead team was six three, six four. It was it was brutal, uh, you know. It was Wimbledon, and, you know, with some, um, you know, did well. Learned about crosses and how to protect myself. And I remember that month going back to Wolves, thinking, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but I, I need to be better than conference football. or conference in those days, uh, you know, it was brutal. And I, it, it was a, that was a good month for me. It was a, it was an eye opener, and you know, it was something that really kicked me on. <clears throat> and then well, uh, the West Brom thing. Um again that that was going as cover. Um, Mel Reese and his soul, another one that's gone. Uh um he was he was the backup keeper to um Stuart Naylor, uh, and obviously being a West Brom fan, you know, just a chance to go and you know, be at, be at West Brom for four or five weeks, I think it was six weeks in the end. Um and uh yeah, that 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 was just as cover but to to help West Brom at the time, um, you know, we were I think they were pushing for promotion. Um uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I didn't really play much. I played sort of, uh, you know, res- a few reserve games. Um, but I knew probably my time at Wolves was coming to an end. I knew, uh, you know, I needed to try and sort of just put my name about to to try and get a move. And um, ironically, um, <laughs> I was at West Brom, and uh, the, the they played Wolves at Molyneux. and um, Mike Stell did his shit in the game, and literally uh, Wolves said, "Look, we're calling you back." Um, there were seven games left in the season. Called me back. Tony Lang played two or three, and then um, they stuck me in for the last four games of the season. I did really well. Um, you know, four four really good games. <clears throat> uh, played Middlesbrough away, Blackburn away, Hull at home, and Portsmouth home. Last game of the season, you know, um, did really well. And Wolves offered me a, a, a new contract to stay, but I turned it down because you know I knew I knew I needed first team football.
1: And of course, that was you joined Bournemouth, um, and that was in 1991 for 35000 What attracted you to Dean
2: Court in particular? <laughs> um, I don't, like I said, I, I had a phone call. Um, uh, I, it was a long summer, waiting for the phone to ring, and I, I won't lie, I didn't get too many calls, you um, know, and then... I was uh, just about to go back to pre-season with Wolves, uh, you know, sort of thinking, well, hopefully something's going to happen. And uh, I, I think I'd been away on holiday for a week and sort of came back. And, my and dad, in those days, you sent your details off to the PFA and they let all the clubs know and you just waited for a phone call. You know, there were no agents or anything like that. And uh, literally got home and mum and dad said, oh, the, this, this guy, Harry's called, wants you to go down to Bournemouth and have a chat. Um, so... You know, I had to look where Bournemouth was on the map for you know, a you 23 year old lad from the midlands I, I wasn't too sure where Bournemouth was in those days um you know when uh, I came down and uh, met harry um he did the usual trick he put me in the raw bath for a night and you know I thought that was what Bournemouth was uh he took me for for a meal at an Italian restaurant. I didn't realize he was he was invested in it at the time and and all that so you know uh, yeah um and you know we had had talks. Uh, and then the next day he drove me around town and I was like, oh yeah, this, you know, 23 years old, this this could be nice. And, uh, you know, drove me right down the sandbanks and, you know, along the seafront and showed me the training. I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it just he it just said to me, look, you know, um, I want you to come and be number one. And, it, you know, for, for a lad that, you know, uh, had had six years at Wolves and probably 10 first team appearances, you know, it was uh, the chance to come and and put games on the CV was was you know just uh, I you know it was a chance I couldn't turn down.
3: Um, what was old, Harry work
2: under? <laughs> uh, no, he, he was he was great. Uh, you know, and I you know I still see him occasionally. Um, you know, uh, I, I owe him everything. Um, you know, because Bournemouth you know did put me on the map in in goalkeeping terms. Um, You know, and I I owe Harry and and Bournemouth, uh, you know, everything for that. Um, (coughs) Harry was Harry. Uh, You know, what you see is what you get. Um, Is is he the best coach I've ever worked under? Probably not. Is he one of the best motivators you've ever worked under? Probably. You know, you just wanted to play for him. Um, You know, you you wanted to do your best. Um, You know, he had good people around him. You know, Tony Pulis, you know, he's not everyone's famous uh, first choice at at Bournemouth. But, you know, again, Tony did brilliant for me. Um, You know, he he was a different type of person to to Harry. Um, But, you know, we'd got good people. um, And and like I say, you just wanted to play. Uh, You know, a lot of experience in the team when I first came down. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I I just loved it right from the, you know, the first day, the first training session. Uh, the first game walking out of the old Dean Court you know that that's still Dean Court to me not that new place up the road uh, you know the old Dean Court uh, you know <laughs> in front of the south stand with the clock and everything you know it's uh, yeah yeah. I just loved every every minute uh, you know and, and it was it was challenging um, you know and uh, Harry was was Harry uh, you know with five of sides up in you know literally just across the road from Kings Park and you know I remember training there with, with Harry and 5 sides and Harry being on the wing and crossing the ball and like, that's how you do it, boys. And, you know, it's yeah, yeah. He, he was a motivator and, you know, just enjoyed, uh, enjoyed. well, unfortunately it was only 12 months playing for him, but, uh, you know, enjoyed it.
1: Of course, we finished eighth in your first season. Is it disappointing that you didn't reach the playoffs? And do you think that squad
2: should have gone up? Uh, yeah, I... Never really thought about it to be honest. Um, you know, again, like I say, I, whether it's a fault of mine, I, I just I just live game by game and day by day, and you know, sort of, uh, I, I like playing for those three points. And you know, again, I'll show my age, turning teletext on and seeing how many places you'd moved up on a Saturday night, and um, you know, I, I didn't really look at it. I, I think we had a slow start to the season, um, and then sort of we picked up and came with a bit of a run, and yeah I remember going to Pool last game of the season, and it was a big ugly center forward that sort of uh, terrorized us that day and we ended up signing the big the big panda up front fletch um, yeah and he, <laughs> he cost he cost us a, a place in the playoffs and uh, yeah it was a long it was a long journey back uh but i don't I don't think you know i don't I never got the feeling that uh, you know, it was, oh, you know, we were going to get promoted. I, I don't remember that say It was a good team and, you know, a lot of good lads. Um, There's probably more disappointment uh, maybe in the fans. So I, 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 again, whether that's a thought of mine, I, I didn't take that on board. Um, you know, I'd, I'd loved it. I'd, uh, you know, to me, we'd had a great season and couldn't wait for the next one rather than, you know, being too disappointed about missing out on the playoffs. Um,
3: you played in the FA Cup game. Um, at St. James's Park against Newcastle. (coughs) Uh, What can you remember about the game and the uh, penalty shootout?
2: Again, I I, I remember it was obviously a replay. Um, I think we'd had a rather boring 0-0 at Dean Court. Um, I actually remember that, you know, we flew up. Harry uh, got a plane for us to fly up. Um, I think some of the vice presidents had... You know, we're we're on board and subsidised it or whatever. Um but I actually pulled my groin. I think we had West Brom on the Saturday and I tweaked my groin. Um and then we flew up to Newcastle and I don't know if you guys remember um the fog and it actually got abandoned. The first game got abandoned after fifteen minutes. Uh and I was probably you know, I was so happy about that because you know, everyone was moaning about you know, we'd flown up and we've got to fly back and, you know, would we be able to do it? And I was thinking, thank God, you know, I've got a chance to let my groin settle down and, you know, I might be OK for, for the next game because I, I was struggling that game. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, we went back up. I, I can't remember too much. Obviously, I've seen, you know, see the footage, uh, you know, the goals and we we, we gave them a good game. Um, they were obviously under a lot of pressure. Uh, I think it was one of our dealers' last games, if I remember right. Um, and it, I just remember penalties, and like I say, I I was lucky enough to sort of you know one hit me, and uh, you know that was that I, you know looked up, and I just saw these lads running at me, and I, I see the I say I see the footage now, and you know, know it's embarrassing, you know little skips, and and then you get mobbed, but you know I remember being in the dressing room after, and you know it's uh, it, yeah it was the sort of thing that you think yeah this is this is what I want, this is why you. You want to be a footballer for the good days, um, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It, it, the memories sort of fade, um, but the, the, that sense of that achievement and that that pride in what you did uh, that that doesn't go.
1: What do you think your best performance was at Bournemouth, Vince?
2: <sighs> crikey, crikey! Um, probably paying the mortgage every week. That was a challenge <laughs> at some some weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember that. You know, there's like, you know, I, I'm funny. I remember weird things. I remember playing Torquay. Uh, we played Torquay on a Tuesday night, and Torquay were bottom of the league. And, I, you know, I, it was one of the best games I ever had. And then, the 95th minute, there was a cross come in, and for some reason, I thought it was going wide. I let it go, and it went right in the top corner. And it's uh, you know, and got a long trip back from Torquay. So we go, you know, then on the Friday night, so Torquay were bottom; they go off the bottom. Swansea were then bottom. Friday night we're away at Swansea at the Vetchfield, and you know they tore us they tore us apart that night. But again, I did. You know, so it, yeah, you know, I, I'm not one that um, you know. Through my career, I, I, you know, I was I was pride that you know sort of probably consistent. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's good performances that, that I remember. Um, but I'm not one, you know, I don't sort of sit back and egos and stuff like that. Uh, I, yeah, plus I'm getting older. I can't remember those days. <laughs> <90, laughs> 91's a long time ago now. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm struggling to probably pick one out, if I'm being honest.
3: Uh, I know we just briefly touched on it, but um, how did Tony Pulis compare to Harry? Is there anything that stands out that, in memory that put him... <laughs> Totally different between each other, or
2: no? That to, to me, they're uh, they're probably chalk and cheese in you know their their outlook on on the game, the philosophy on the game. Um, but, but that that's probably you know they probably work well as a as a pairing, um, and that's probably why you know when when Harry left, Tony took over. You know he hadn't got that support. Probably um, you know I, th- I think he, you know he's gone on to prove that he's a good manager. Um, you know uh, at the time he, he probably. Didn't have the people around him that he needed. Maybe um, you know, uh, there's there's nothing wrong. I've you know, uh, tones out. Look, was, you know, if if you keep a clean sheet, you only have to score one goal. Whereas Harry's like, well, if you if you concede four, we'll score five. And you know, to me, that 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 sums up their philosophies. You know, in, in similar ways. You know, I go to Arsenal and you have got George Graham that was renowned for the, the famous back four or back five. And you know, Arsenal one 0 and then you know, uh, Arsene Wenger comes in and you know, he's, he's got a totally different philosophy as well. So, um, to me, it doesn't mean one one's right and one's wrong. They, they both had a, a big influence and obviously Tony especially and, you know, I ended up playing for him uh, again at Gillingham, uh, you know, l- later on. Uh,
1: Vince, who would you say is the best player that was at d during your time?
2: <laughs> uh, I'm still friends. I'm still friends with some of them, so I'm very to get.
1: might my watch face as well.
2: <laughs> oh, no, no, he's he's well down the list. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, no, again, I, you know, I've asked. You know, I've done interviews for different clubs, and you know, Arsenal and and people. Are, you know, people ask me who's the best player at Arsenal, and you know, it's like my my stuck answer to that is well. You know, you can you can have eleven Dennis Burkhams, you won't win anything. But he's probably the best player I've ever uh, you know had the privilege to be on a football pitch with. You know, you need a Tony Adams, you need a Ray Parler, and you know mm-hmm. Bournemouth's the same in, in those respects. You know, you know um, one of my best mates got uh, be uh, Mark Morris. You know, he's one of the best defenders I've played with. You know, he'd be the first to admit he's probably not. Well, he no, he wouldn't You know, he thinks he's a silky winger at times as well. But you know, he he, he was like you know. Hard centre half, you know, win at, win at all costs, uh, you know, uh, and and you know, great, great lads to to sort of uh, play behind, you know, you got Mozzie, you know, sort of left back, Keithy Rowe, you know. I think <clears throat> the, the problem that, you know, when you ask that question with me, a lot of the lads I played with at Bournemouth were young and probably didn't show how good they were until they went, you know, they went on. Um, you know, Keithy's a good example, Neil Masters you know was a good player um you know joe parkinson uh, you know we we had some good players and then obviously you've got the the other end of the spectrum people like Casey, you know jimmy case what a player he was and he showed signs of it with us uh, you know in those 12 months and you just you know i remember a couple of games thinking wow i'd you know i'd love to have seen him in his prime and his pump um so you know i, I don't think it's i don't like saying who the best one was um you know, we we had some good players, and I think you know that um, they, you know, everyone I played with uh, proved that they they were there on merit. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm I'm going to sit on the fence on that one, if you don't mind. No, that's
3: fair enough, Vince. Not a problem at all. <clears throat> um so, an offer of two hundred fifty thousand from Arsenal uh, was enough for the Cherries board to sell sell you on. Um, what do you remember from that time?
2: <laughs> well, about how the
3: move came, or? Uh, well, just about the whole whole process. How the move came?
2: Okay. Did you? I it, I mean, it, you know, I I thought I'd probably you know there was there was a chance I was going to move the year before. Um, uh, there, was, there was talk of Forest um, Blackburn as well. Um, you know, sort of Kenny Dalglish came to watch me and a friendly farmer or something. I you know you hear these stories um, and nothing nothing materialised and then. I was out of contract. Um, <clears throat> again, Tony sort of pulled me in the office, uh, you know, and he sort of jokingly sort of handed me a, a new offer and he, he, he said, look, you know, I know you're not going to sign it. He said, to be honest, I don't think we can afford to pay it anyway. So, um, you know, uh, they needed to, they needed to sell me. Um, and uh, to be honest, so I was going to go to Leicester. Um, I sort of saw Tony. I, I, he was packing it up. He just had the sack. He was, Sort of putting his goods into a, into a little cardboard box in his office, and you know, I said, oh, "Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for everything." Um, he said, "Where are you going?" I said, "Well, I'm, I'm off now to talk to Leicester. <coughs> and I was literally driving out from Dean Court and um, there's a little little shop just uh, on the way out on the left-hand side, and uh, there's a old Billy Walker who used to be the um, the, the greenkeeper over at Queens Park Golf Club. He, you know, we knew him well, and um, he he played back for, in the day for Newcastle and. He's crossing the road in front of me and I stopped and he's like, well, where are you going? I said, I'm off to Leicester. Uh, and he said, oh, don't. He said, my, my uh, good friend um, is Steve Burnshaw, the chief scout at Arsenal. He said, they've been looking at you. He said, don't don't sign for Leicester until you've heard from me. And literally as I'm driving up the motorway, uh, you know, I, I get a call from Arsenal. Um, so I went to talk to to Leicester, who was Brian Little, who'd given him a debut at Wolves. So there was a connection there. Um, and then, literally, we went to Leicester, straight from Leicester, went down to Arsenal and, uh, yeah, had, uh, had the decision to make. Do I go to Leicester where I've got a chance of competing for, for a first-team spot? I think they got Gavin Ward, Russell Holt, Kevin Paul, and myself. And Brian Litt was saying, look, you know, you're as good as, as anyone. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing anything. Or there was Arsenal where George Graham was saying, we've got the best keeper in, well, in England, in, in Europe, in the world, maybe. Um, but we want you to come and be number two to him, um, and it was uh, it was uh, it was uh, it wasn't an easy choice, uh, you know. I have to say,
1: what was it like being understudy to David Seaman and also training with him every day?
2: Yeah, you know, you know, you sort of go in, and again, I I wasn't I wasn't like a I wouldn't call myself in those days a student of the game. I wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd watch a football, but, you know, I wasn't like a, a nerd. I didn't know everyone. I didn't know too much. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't know too much about uh, about Arsenal and the, the back four and the players. And and then you go in there and it's like, wow, wow. And you know, goal, call him goalie. Um, you know, Seaman. He he was he was the best. Uh, he was that good. He made things look look easy and simple. Um, and you know, I just got so much respect for him. He's he is the best keeper I've ever seen in life. Um, you know, in working with him every day, and Bob Wilson, um, you know, to have him as your goalie coach, um, you know, just uh, you know, treating you with the same respect and and sort of uh, advising you. Not try. And Bob's great thing was he he didn't try and make me into Dave Seaman. Um, you know, he he looked at my techniques, and there was a couple of little things. Uh, you know, and he, he said, "I'm not, gonna, you know, that works for you. I'm not going to try and change that." Um, and that's that's what made Bob so great. Um, you know, and, and I say I had <clears throat> I had two years where I was number two, uh, and then sort of uh, I, I turned down a new contract, went on to uh, a week to week contract, got injured first game of preseason while I was trying to get a move, and and I was out for three months. And by the time I was fit again, Alex manning was at the club, John Lukic had come back. Um, so that all of a sudden you're down the pecking order. And those last 12, 18 months were a little difficult. They were probably the hardest time in my career. But you're still at a club like Arsenal, um, you know, and training with, with great players all the time.
1: You did play a number of games for Arsenal. What was it like having the famous Gunners' back line of Dixon, Adams, Bold and Winterburn in front of you? to they were fantastic back four, but would you say that they're the best back four that you've ever played with?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, again, I'm like, look, but Mosley, uh, Mark Morris, Keith, if you're watching this, you know, I, I do apologise, but yeah, they, you know, they, they were in the you know, they, they were that that season, that couple of seasons, they were, they were probably difficult seasons for Arsenal. There's, you know, I went there and um, you know, sort of within six months, George Graham had gone uh, being sacked because of the bung scandal. Um, there were things about the players, you know, Tony Adams, Mercer. I don't have to go over them, but you know, there, there was a lot of <clears throat> disrupt at the clubs, shall we say? And um, you know, it, it, it affected on the pitch a little bit, but you know, you could still see the quality of the players, and you know, they proved it. Um, you know, sort of, you know, later years again going on and winning doubles and stuff like that and you know the, the likes of baldy and tony playing into their late into their 30s um you know they they showed that uh, they'd got that quality um to me uh, you know it, it-
3: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki palmer
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: It was a privilege. Uh, I, I signed for the club just to, you know, the chance to pull that shirt on once. To play at hype, you know, to walk into those marble hallways and Play a game, and you know, I mean, yeah, Highbury was—it uh, <coughs> was the best place I've ever played football. That and Wembley are the the two places that you know. Just, um, it was a privilege to play there.
3: So, while you were away from Bournemouth, um, settled in at Arsenal, um, were you aware of all the financial goings on back at? D-Corp?
2: I think I was aware of them before I'd left. Um, you know, how did, like I say, I talked about that Swansea game. Um, I remember Harry coming in the dressing room after, and literally his team talk was, "Lads, you know, we're, this club's twenty million in debt. I've not been paid for four months, and you lot play like that." And you know, walked out, got in his car, and <laughs> we didn't see him till the Monday morning. And and then obviously he left. Uh, and you know, we knew th- we knew there were problems. You know, we were months we didn't get paid. Um, uh, you know, there was one day in particular, I remember, I don't think we'd been paid for six, seven weeks. Um, <laughs> my friend Derek McGregor, who I still speak to, I don't know if you remember him from the Bournemouth Echo. Um, yeah. Derek was ringing around everyone. Hey, you're not being paid. Hey, You've not been paid. And we went into training and Tony said, lads, look, he said, I know the press are on. Um, he said, you'll be paid today. And literally we finished training, we went back to the ground uh, and we all had to go into the chairman's office and Norman would bless him, lovely guy. And I'll never forget, he, he bent down behind the desk and he picked up this Sainsbury's carrier bag and literally he looked at it and he just gave you a wad of notes and you know, we got paid cash. Um, and he said, oh, thank you, know, thank, thank you for not saying anything. So, we, you know, you knew the club was in debt, you knew the club was, uh, was in trouble. And, um, uh, you know, and I think it was a long, a long, painful process uh, and it, it, it took a long time. You know, even then when I came back in later years, uh, you know, in, in coaching roles, it was still going on.
1: Is there any appearances for Arsenal that do stand out, Vince, or um, would you say similar to the situation at Bournemouth where you don't really dwell on them?
2: No, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to sound a bit hypocritical. Yeah, it's exactly the same. You know, walking out at Old Trafford in an Arsenal-Man United game, or you know Newcastle. No, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious. No, it, it, so uh, it, you know, it, you you do realise the you know the the difference in you know sort of in those days, Division Two football and the Premier League. Um, you know, whatever it is, uh, and and when you're at a club like Arsenal, you know. It, it's the it's daft things, you know, going into London to get measured up for an aquascutum suit and, you know, you have to carry your little um, suit holder around everywhere and, you know, you're getting on the coach all suited and booted and then you come back on the coach after a game and, just, you know, sort of dining room set up and you've got people, you know, waiters serving you meals and, you know, <clears throat> when I went there, George Graham said to me, he said, we do everything for you. All you have to do is worry about going and playing football. Um, and and I, I know what he was trying to say, but in those days, they were still a million miles away from that. Nowadays, literally, I think the players do that. All they have to do is go and play football. You know, there's there's advisors, there's people welfare at the club. You know, they need a mortgage. Someone will get a mortgage advisor in to speak to them. You know, they they literally do just go and concentrate on playing football. And you know, Arsenal were ahead of the game in those respects. Um, yeah, you know, in a lot of things and. You know that's where you you realise the difference. But like I say, you know, I was I was just uh, you know looking back now. It's a privilege to to play any game at Highbury for for Arsenal. Walking, like say, into the Marble Hall, into those dressing rooms, walking down that that corridor onto that pitch uh, was was a privilege. And then to be like I say involved in games, uh, you know, walking out at Old Trafford, Newcastle, you know, Newcastle away. Um, I had one of my best games ever. I've never got the video of it. Um, i 've seen the goal again for i was you know I say you know it was the best game i 've ever had uh, for ninety four minutes and then Peter Beersley stuck one in the top corner and literally we kicked off right his pass to Johnny Hartson and we 've not even had time to get out of the center circle and the rest blown for full time um you know that 's one video I would like to see one day um but yeah they they're, they're, the, they're the high they're, any any day you pulled that shirt on was was a highlight.
3: So, uh, late 1997, you spent 12 games out on loan at Huddersfield. How did that come about?
2: Um, uh, Eric Steele. So, Eric Steele had been my coach at uh, at Wolves. Um, he was, again, you know, we talk about difference in times. You know, I think every club in the country has got a full-time goalie coach now. You know, Steele, was at a championship club, Huddersfield, two days a week. And he was doing Barnsley two days a week. He was doing Derby three days a week. Um, so, you know, that's how goalie coaches made a career. But Huddersfield, again, they were bottom of the league. Um, I think 12 games into the season, they'd got four points. Brian Horton had just been sacked. Um, the, the manager was um, uh, Jackson. Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Peter Jackson. Uh, and Terry Yorath was the assistant. And they needed, they wanted a goalkeeper, and Steely recommended me, uh, and I went up there. I had two months, uh, absolutely loved the place. Uh, you know, I was looking at houses, and I, I said earlier that you know, the eighteen months trying to get away from Arsenal was my lowest. The day, oh, you know, the the deal fell through. Uh, it was literally three days before Christmas, um, and it, it all fell apart, and. I walked out and uh, I rang. I rang Arsenal and uh, you know they were brilliant. They said, "Look, go go home." I went back to the Midlands to mum and dad and had Christmas and just had a few days. And that that was probably the the lowest time. Um, I was I was gutted that you know because I thought that's it. That, you know it was a champ club. We'd we'd sort of done that, done well. We'd, we were sort of uh, you know sort of mid table um, by Christmas. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it all fell apart and, uh, yeah, I was, I was good.
1: You spent a short time.
2: Thank, thanks for the... bringing that one up. <laughs> 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 no, I did. Again, from the football point, it was, it, it was, games. I put my, put my name about a bit again and, you know, sort of a couple of games on the telly. We, we beat Man City on Sky, uh, one nil, keeping a clean sheet, a couple of saves and, you know, just little things like that. So, uh, you know and it, it things i'm a big believer things happen for a reason and um you know you you need you need a kick in the teeth um you know to bounce back from it and whether i needed it whether it was uh, what i needed at the time um but, you know yeah ultimately uh i think it turned out all right again
1: you did spend a short time Vince under legendary arsenal manager arsen <coughs> benger he was said to be revolutionary at the time what did you think of him
2: Yeah, you know, it was, uh, (laughs) how do I put this, Um, he was different uh, when he, especially when he first came in and, you know, I remember sort of Arsenal, the old Colony uh, uh, training ground, sorry, Um, we used to, the lads used to line up outside and sort of like the physio room and we'd wait for the manager and, you know, the George Graham days, he'd come out and do a little talk about what we're doing in training and, and uh, I remember this, this day, so Arsenal had been announced in September, but because of the Japanese season, it didn't actually come in until the October. And uh, we're all lined up and, you know, waiting. To, and this guy walks past and he was in like a 1980s Arsenal shell suit. You know, the glasses, you know, he looked like a, a, a well, 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 the lad said something I won't repeat. but it was uh, wasn't very confident. <laughs> you know, he, he walked past and he just—he just turned and went, "Good morning." And everyone like that. and yeah, footballers being footballers of a few smirks. And uh, but yeah, that—that that was first appearances. Uh, you know how run can you be? He was—he was, he was um, yeah, he was groundbreaking. Um, he changed—he changed everything. Um, not everyone liked all the changes. My missus still hates him for making the players' lounge a dry lounge after a game. She couldn't get a drink, but uh, you know that was <laughs> that was one thing. Um, but no, you know diet. He was massive. You know the the biggest thing uh, was was things like the diets, pre-match meals. You know the lads had to eat certain things. They they had to eat things in a certain order, and it was. Uh, I remember the um. So you do you'd have like little crudity starters. So little, I don't know, celery sticks with uh, dips and and that. And then was it you had to have your pasta. And then you could have your meat and, and veg dishes and you had to have it in this certain order. And um, I remember the reserves trying to do, you know, after about three or four months where the first team were flying, they, they said, right, we're going to do it with the reserves now. And we took a strong reserve team to Oxford. Um, and, you know, it's pre-match. Yeah, we're going to have this pre-match. And we had all this stuff and we got done 7-0. I remember the lads all laughed at like, I can't eat that much and then play football. And it, it was like, it, it took time to to get used to it and you know we, it, it it was so different but the the proof was in the pudding uh, you know the we were taking capsules again it nowadays it's probably sort of uh you know everyone does it but we were taking creatine tablets and caffeine tablets and vitamins and you know um yeah it, it was the daft things i remember lee dixon um <clears throat> he, he they flew him to the south of france uh to see a doctor he got a, an injury, and when he came back, he, <laughs> he walked in the dressing room. And I, uh, was it. He said, he said, just saw this doctor, and he said, Doc- I don't know anything about you. He said, just sit, and I examine. He said, uh, he opened his mouth, and he said, he stuck his finger in his mouth, and, oh, and he went, yeah, you've done your meniscus and your right knee. And Lee was like, yeah, how did you know that? Just you know, it, 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 so it was some of the things you, you know with which doctors or what you know. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was it was different. It was groundbreaking. It was different, um, and they were they were ahead of the game, and that's what what uh, did it for them for for years and years. And then, unfortunately, I think other people cottoned on, and and you know did similar in different ways, and and um, you know the, the Arsenal sort of went then sort of fell behind others, uh, and you know they're not really or cool, they're just starting to catch up by the look of it. But he was also a very good coach. I've got to say that, um, you know, some some Sundays you'd go in, uh, you know, being in the reserves or the stiffs or the mushrooms, whatever you call it. Uh, you know, some Sundays you'd go in and there'd be like four or five of you that weren't involved on the Saturday. And normally they're, they're horrendous sessions. But I remember coming away on a Sunday, you know, like you'd have a session with Arson and I don't know, someone like Kevin Campbell maybe who hadn't been Sort of playing and Dicky, pull Dick off my mate, and you know, you'd have a small group session and you come away buzzing because it was such a good session. And you know, it's like, well, that, that shouldn't happen on a Sunday like that, but because he was such a good coach, um, you know, he, he had that to back it up as well as all the the, the, the quirkiness and the uh, the different things. So, uh, Tony's <laughs> <laughs>
3: this came back. Not being 1998 uh, for a loan deal. And then he eventually signed you permanently. I think that summer.
2: Well, Um, yeah, it was was the quickest loan deal ever because apparently two days uh, after I signed on loan, they made it permanent because then that enabled them to sign another loan that they they never told me about. I only found out about 18 months later.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, What was the main attraction to to you gentlemen? Was it working with Tony again or was it just craving the first team football or...? But it, well it wasn't it wasn't the area
2: I can guarantee that he <laughs> didn 't take me around uh, around the medway towns no, they, you no know, it was it was first team football um you know it was i knew tony i knew him well um, you know when he saw me they were, they were pushing for promotion you know they they 'd done well for they'd gone out of league or what was league two in those days uh, you know the old fourth division um they'd done well and he, they wanted to kick on and you know, he he wanted me to be a part of that, and uh, I fell for it. Nah, no, no, I just I just wanted to play first team football again. Um, obviously, there were a couple of lads, uh, Bournemouth connections down there. Neil Masters was there. Aidy Pennock was there. Uh, Mark O'Connor was a, was the coach, uh, you know, down there, um, and obviously Tony. So um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was an easy decision.
1: Your first full season, though, you reached the playoff final against a very strong Manchester City team um, in one of the most memorable playoff finals of all time. What can you remember from that day?
2: Oh, well, I remember everything because they keep sh- Sky keeps showing it every six weeks. <laughs> and, uh, every time I turn Sky on, it's on there. So uh, yeah, you can't exactly forget it. Um, no, I, you know, it, again, you know, great season. Um, got into the playoffs, uh, beat Preston over two legs. Um, and, I, you know, I have to say the the second leg against Preston at Priestfield, you know, the old Priestfield was, you know, you talk about the old Dinkle, Priestfield was falling down. You know, you go there now, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a million times better than it was, uh, you know, when I first went there. But that, that night we played Preston, the chairman did a great job. He got the local radio in, the, the speakers, the fireworks, it, it, that was the best atmosphere I've ever played in. And, uh, you know, we 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 got through and, you know, going to Wembley for the first time, um, you know, the excitement to all that, the build-up, um, and then to be involved in a game like that, you know, there's a bottle of champagne somewhere that, you know, i, I got man of the match. And, and yet, you, you know, it's, uh, but I'm, I'm pragmatic that, you know, like I said earlier, you know, things happen for a reason. And, I've said to Jills fans, and you know, I, I did uh, something like this for for Gillingham and I said I, I still believe it was the best thing for the club um, because we went back 12 months later and we we wronged the right, and you know we were better prepared then to stay in the championship for for three or four years like we did. Um, if we'd have gone up that year, beat Man City, uh, I, you know, did we have the strength in depth in the squad, the the infrastructure, Tony? left as well. Um, so, you know, we, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just me wishful thinking. But, you know, I it, it, it was an unbelievable game. Um, you know, like I say, I, 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 and we watched it literally three or four weeks ago and the message, why do you watch this? <laughs> you know, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously my best mate as well on the other team, Dickie. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah, you almost couldn't write it.
3: What do you remember about
2: uh, games for Gindham against Bournemouth? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, some, some, not always good things. No, it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was built up, I think, with the, the Tony Pulis, um, AD as well, AD, he was badly treated with Bournemouth, um, with Mel Machin. you know, they, they told him he'd never play again and they, they you know, sent him packing and, And then, you know, he carried on playing for another six, seven years, Uh, you know. So, AD AD had a a bit to prove and, you know, there was a few things. uh, uh, Well, I think the first game was the 3-3 at Dean Court came back. That was my first time back. I can't remember anything about the game, but um, I got a good mate, a guy called Gary Fenley. He was actually a bouncer in the the clubs in the days. He then went on, he made a uh, career in skips around Bournemouth and stuff. He's He's still about, he's a good lad. He's a big lad. He was a bouncer. I think in the day, he was like 24, 25 stone. um, So I've come out for the game. And I knew, knew, you know, everyone knew I was coming back and I was going to see people. So we obviously, the away team, we obviously went down the Brighton Beach end. And I can't remember why. We we changed ends before the game, so the toss-up. So I've gone running down to the other end. So the Brighton Beach, the south stand, I got a nice welcome from them. Well, that's fine, okay. So the game started. About a minute into the game, the ball goes down to the right-hand side of my goal. I go to get the ball. And in those days, they, don't, they, all, they put the disabled people yeah. in front of the stand, yeah. in front of the side. So I go to get the ball, sat in a wheelchair, literally six feet from my goal is my mate, Big Gary. All right, I so I just started laughing. <laughs> so I'm having a bit of banter with him. But sort of, The fans in the stand think I'm winding up. I'm, I'm giving grief to some Bournemouth fan in the wheelchair. So, they, they're giving me grief for having Banner with my mate. I don't <laughs> know what I realize. <laughs> <laughs> so Don't ask me about the game. It was 3-3. That's all I know about that. I <laughs> um, then, then another... <laughs> so, obviously, that was the year we, we got to, to Man City. And um, I came down during that summer after the Man City game. My missus is from Bournemouth. And we came to see family. And I remember sort of being in the house and the Daily Echo was there. And uh, Neil, I think it's Neil Perrett, I uh, had a message on Facebook with him the other night about a concert I went to. But uh, um, So uh, Neil had done a little piece and it was the middle of summer and he put something about the boredom of the summer. Um, make, I always feel better by thinking back to uh, Gillingham at Wembley and the faces of Messrs Bartram, uh, Penner and pulis and, you know, the... Uh, I get I get enjoyment from their grief, or so the, the, that, that was basically. And I was like, I don't like that. I'm not happy about that. So I kept it. And then the fixtures came out, and I think we played Bournemouth. It was either September or October. It was quite early in the season. And um literally the week before the game, I went in to, uh, to um, Peter Taylor was the manager then. I went in to see the gaffer. I said, uh, Gaffer, I said, uh, I was back in Bournemouth or something. And, uh, so he he read it. Turned up for the game, we walked into the dressing room, he plastered it everywhere he plastered he put it on the walls he went, that 's your team talk, and all the lads were like just read honest and we went out i don 't if you remember the game. it was live on Sky, but I think um Steve Robinson scored in the first minute, but after that we won four one and it was um it was men against boys and uh, yeah so neil if you if you hear this that's uh, you know you weren't to say win bonus that day it was uh, but, yeah, it's, it's stuff, things like that, you know, I remember. Um, there's another one, um, it was uh, the cup game, obviously, with the, uh, the, bizarre, the bizarre winning goal where um, Paul Shaw was about 20 yards in offside. But, you Easy, know, 20 yards offside.
3: Think, offside. Yeah,
2: it, but it came, it, Jamie Day played it back. So, you know, he was onside. Um, and then that game as well, uh, Jamie Day, who I know well, um, you know, Dave's uh, his good mate. That was at, uh, he was at Arsenal as a kid. Um, he he sliced Andy Hessenthaler's thigh. Literally, Hesse was in, in hospital in Bournemouth for about two weeks. Um, the old blade, Adidas blade boots, yeah. sliced Hesse's thigh. Honestly, it was, you know, it was, uh, it, they, they couldn't sew it up. There was all the, again, the old Dean Court, all the mud and everything. They, uh, <laughs> they had to flush it out for about two weeks before they could sew him up. So, uh, yeah, that's daft, daft things like that. We had good battles. Um, I think, you know, Gillingham were probably... Uh, we were older and uh, a bit more experienced. Um, Bournemouth were Bournemouth. Uh, you know, a lot of young lads, good footballers, wanting to play football. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I think we had a good record, um, you know, from from our point. And, uh, yeah, there, there was always a little bit on it, obviously, because of what, you know, the, the historical things. Um, but, you know, for me, I always enjoyed coming back and playing. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably people didn't like me coming back, but that's enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you had the heartbreak of the Man City game. But, of course, as you mentioned, you went back a year later and was on the winning side at Wembley.
2: What was it like that day? Uh, Well, what I can remember, the, 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 the day... Um it was it was a different day, obviously. Uh, you know, Wigan with all respect, I think, you know, there was fifty-eight thousand. I think Wigan took eight thousand, you know, the year before it was it was eighty, eighty-eight thousand and it was probably forty-four thousand from City and, and Gillingham. Um, you know, it, it was it was a half empty Wembley. Um, but the Jills fans were, you know, it was amazing and you know, to to, to go to extra time and you know, we were two one down penalty. And you're thinking it, you know, you're just thinking it's never going to happen. Uh, and then we got two late goals obviously, Andy Thompson's header, literally two minutes from the end. And oh my god, it, yeah, it was just a uh, just a relief, uh, you know, of emotions, um, and 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 a bloody good evening. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, after 200 games for Jinnam, um, your career has ended bizarrely by. By another goalkeeper, I believe.
2: Is that, is that Right? Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, play Millwall uh, at Priestfield. Uh, Ding dong game with four three up. I made a save in the last minute. It's gone out for a corner, and uh, Dennis Wise has put a ball into the box. And I've come. I've got a punch, and I I don't know how. I to this day I don't know if it's on the punch or I, I know I sort of I was high in the air and something. For some reason, I ended up going head first, sort of like speared into the ground and I put my hand out and I'm lying on the floor and I, I, I just, I could see my, my you know, my, my wrist was like a Z. Um, I knew straight away it was a bad one. Um, and bizarrely, the, uh, the physio came on and we called him Ming. He looked like Emperor Ming. He had the old sort of beard on <laughs> and, and Ming was like, come on, let's." I said, I've done my wrist, Ming. I've... He said, yeah, yeah, the game's finished. He said, it's all over. I was like, oh, right, okay. So he's put my arm in a sling and went down the, the new tunnel at Priestfield and you go straight into the physio room and I was there and within 20 minutes, I'm in an ambulance and I'm thinking, none of the lads came to see me. Um, I Nearly swore, but, you know, I, I said, not one of them came to see me, so I'll it for you. Anyway, night in hospital, cut a long story, uh, they sent me home. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was then booked in to see a, a private specialist on the Tuesday. I still hadn't heard anything. So uh Tuesday lunchtime I'm at home. I think AD was A.D. Pennick was probably the first person. Vince, but, you know, he said, we were in training today. We had yesterday off. He said, no one knew you you were injured. He said, literally the final whistle went, we've all gone in the dressing room and you know no one even realized you weren't there. He said, we've just heard you've done you broke your wrist and all anyway, from then on the phone didn't stop. I'm getting lad after lad. Next thing, I get a phone call. This Scouse accent, I'm not good with Scouse accents, but I do anyway. I go, "Uh, hello? I said, who's that? He went, Vince, it's Tony Warner, the Millwall goalkeeper. I said, hi, Tony, how are you? So Vince, yeah. He said, "Uh, I'm so sorry, mate. I said, it's not your fault. He said, yeah, you came out of nowhere. I was like, you what? He said, yeah, it was me that whacked you. He said, I've come up. He said, why has this put the corner in? He said, I thought I was going to score. And all of a sudden, you've come from nowhere and we've just collided. So, yeah, so I ended up, uh, broke a wrist in five places, had it pinned, had a little Meccano set with five, five pins and three little bars holding it all in place for six weeks. Um, but eventually, you know, I got restricted movement, and I think that was the September, uh, literally January the 1st, I you know, I, I took retirement. But, yeah, so uh, I'm on a, on a website somewhere, bizarre injuries caused, but, you know, caused by another goalkeeper. <laughs>
1: At that point, you did decide to go into goalkeeping coaching. Um, how did you come about returning to Bournemouth as a coach during our minus 17 points great escape?
2: Well, wow, we probably need an hour just for this. Uh, I didn't actually, <laughs> I didn't go straight into it. Uh, I say, uh, I took retirement. Um, Hesse asked me, are you staying in football? And I said, no, I've had enough. Um, you know, I've had enough of managers and chairman and sort of press and stuff like that. Uh, I, 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 ne- I needed to get away from football. So uh, I did that. Um, we were living up in, in Essex at the time. We had a few issues with the house. of subsidence. So we needed insurance and works and blah, blah, blah. So we were, we were in Essex for two years after I retired. Um, I started working in a betting shop. I worked for William Hill as a manager, deputy manager, running betting shops for them. Then moved back to Bournemouth looking for work I got a job at um well Seawoods. then it's now Eden Eden Vauxhall down at Branksome. Uh, I was selling Vauxhalls for 18 months and realized I wasn't very good at that um so decided to try and get back into football and I set up my own little sort of soccer school goalkeeping school um, again Darren Wassell, my, my mate uh, who's he's academy manager at Derby now he he's got a a sideline, a coaching company called Soccer Stars UK, and I was going to set up a branch of that. Um, and then uh, I, I met Matty Holmes, and Matty invited me to come and manage the under nines. Matty was the academy manager at Bournemouth, um, invited me to come and help with the Well, they were the under eights at the time, but then I took over when they became nines. And then John Saunders, a very good friend of mine, who's uh, uh, he was the managing director at uh, at Seawood Foxall. Uh, he he bumped into Bondy one day on a on a flight, and um, <clears throat> Bondi was looking for someone to to coach the. Uh, he, he didn't want someone to coach the first team goalkeepers. He wanted someone to help the younger keepers. So Ryan Price and um, you know the the young keepers that were there at the time. Um, so I, in the end, Bondy sort of called me up and he offered me. A job, um, £50 a, a, a session. So literally, I'd go in on a Tuesday and a Friday, a Thursday, and do a couple of hours and 100 quid. And then there was the, like, I say, I was doing a couple of nights with the Centre of Excellence. Um, and again, we go back to the money side. You know, it was uh, I was there for about 18 months doing that, that sort of dual role. And at the end of the month, I'd put in a paycheck, I'd put in a receipt. And some days, Neil Vash, who's still there, uh, you know, he'd, he'd just look at me and go, "No, nah, nah, you're not going to get that. And I think out of 18 months and 18 paychecks, I, I think I got probably nine or 10 at most. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was strange. It was different and it was, you know, a million miles from, from where the club is now. What was it like to work with
3: uh, young Eddie Hound?
2: Well, Eddie was one of the... So, uh, there, was, there was Bondi when I, you know, I came in. There was Bondi and then um, uh, Rob Newman. And then Eddie was the, the, the coach. And, and I was doing the goalkeeping coaches, like I say, two days a week. Um, I think Eddie was learning the game, learning his trade, uh, taking it all in. I remember even those days he had notes and he was noting stuff down. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was fine. It was good, uh, good with me. Um, obviously then, like you say, we had the, the, the year with the 17 points, didn't have a great start. So then Kevin went and then Jimmy obviously came in. I thought, you know, that was going to be good. Obviously I played with Jimmy. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, obviously Jason, Jason Tindall came in with Eddie as assistant, uh, sorry, with, with Jimmy. Eddie then went back to be academy manager um, while Jimmy was there, which was, you know, strange. Um, and, 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 and then obviously, you know, the rest history, as they say. And then you was
1: goalkeeper, goalkeeping manager at Southampton's academy. But you've recently moved over to goalkeeping scout and pathways monitor. How do those two roles differ?
2: <laughs> um, basically, one's on grass and one's off grass. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's the simplest way of explaining that. Yeah, so you know, we, I, I left Bournemouth and I ended up going to um, Portsmouth for nine months. So, you know, I, I only need Brighton and I've done every club on the South Coast. But uh, um, yeah, and then um, I got a full-time role at Southampton 2000, August 2010. Again, lots of stories, you know, I could tell you lots more, but basically went in there as academy goalkeeping coach and then they upgraded it to academy goalkeeping manager, which just meant I oversaw uh, some of the goalkeeping coaches within the the club. Um, And then about 18 months ago or just after COVID hit, um, yeah, a change of role, um, you know, and uh, I, I was offered the chance to, Sort of getting to the, the, the scouting side so rather than coaching and on grass and you know kicking balls all day i, I let other people do that and you know i sort of uh, uh i'm now sort of goalkeeping scouts um, for, for the club uh, but also you know I, I, the, if there's outfield players obviously there's only two keepers and you know the, a lot of the games in midfield so you know they'll always ask me about outfield players but i you know i look at everything from under seven pre-academy uh, right to up to first team and you know I've been to Bournemouth probably more the last 12-18 months in this new role than, than I had for the, the you know the 20 years since I left almost
1: It's fair to say Southampton have got one of the best academies in the entire country would you agree with that Vincent you know the outstanding players that they've had come through
2: Yeah and you know Bournemouth fans probably won't like me saying it um, yeah. you know uh, you know uh, I probably be honest you know I've probably lost a bit of affinity with Bournemouth over the years and you know with with the you know the money side and things like that you know there's still at times of you know I I was sort of you know treated badly and I know people in the area you know sort of workmen that were you know did did jobs and never got paid and you know you look at the money they're spending now um you know there's a bit that you think well is is that right is that fair um but you know the biggest thing for me is the, the this, you know, the, the the training ground they need to get that sorted. The academy, you know, they don't they don't sort of uh, or they haven't invested in that in 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 the way they they probably could have done. And you know, for for the kids in the area, you know, again, like I say when you know I was I was managing the under nines, the kids were all local kids, and you know there there were some good players. You know, Sam Shering who was just been sold to Northampton. He was in my under nines, and you know there's there's others, Antonio Diaz, who's you know around the non league scene. Connell Morrison and Wimborne and places like that. You know, they, they were lads in in, uh, in the academy, and you know, if there's if there's one thing that you know now. Bournemouth have got back in the Premier League. Uh, you know, uh, that, that they you know not learn from Southampton, but there's one thing that Bournemouth, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love for them to do. It's it's you know get some of the infrastructure and give something back uh, for the for the kids in the area. You know, uh, you know it, it, you need to spend money, and that's one thing Southampton do do. You know. When I went there, there were a League One club, and Les Reed and Matt Crocker. Uh, you know, they they said we we've ring fenced the money for the academy. Um, no matter what happens with the first team, there is this money. We we will invest it, and you know, from that you, you've had the you know I've had the pleasure of working with Luke Shaw, Callum Chambers, Prowsey, you know, people like that. Harrison Reed at Fulham, you know, lots of good lads that um, you know are making good careers, and you know, I just hope Bournemouth, uh, you know, there's there's lads in around the area, you know, I, I won't just say the Bournemouth area, but Dorset and, you know, even going into Hampshire that, you know, will we'll benefit from Bournemouth getting back in the Premier League again.
1: And the final, final bit, your influence still shines to this day as a goalkeeper. Um, you know, I'm good friends with a gentleman called Brian Baxter. And um, we did mention this before um, we actually come on. He's some our place of Christchurch, but, You've got two sons who are aspiring and very good goalkeepers as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're doing well. They're, um, Mars is 19. Um, and he, he got into a Christchurch first team, uh, last season, you know, men's football did well, uh, you know, a couple of high, well, relatively high profile games, uh, you know, for, for Christchurch against some, you know, some decent teams, Hamworthy and Brock and Bashley, you know, they're, 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 they're good non-league teams and Mars is, uh, is into there and then Heath, my youngest, um, you know, he, he's he's he could be uh, he could be a good little keeper. Um, he's going to go to Eastleigh next year um, in their scholarship program. I've tried getting him into Bournemouth, but they won't have him because of me, I don't think. But uh, um, you know, he's he's yeah, he's he's uh, he's a, he's a, a good uh, you know coming on developing. He's similar to me that he's a bit later and mature, and you know the. Uh, he, I think he's uh, he's going to sign for Brock as well and play in their 18s and dev squad so, you know, uh, anyone in the area locally looking at grassroots keepers you know, you might see my two boys and, uh, you know, uh, like I say that's how I came in or got into the pro game and, you know, there's still a chance for them.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you tonight vince and thank you so much for sharing your story and it's been really really interesting and all the very very best at southampton i know we (laughs) i know southampton's not our most favorite side but at the same time you know
2: all the very best with the academy and um, all the very best to your sons as well. Cheers, thank you. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, I was a West Brom fan, but I was, a, you know, I'd, I was brought up with West Brom playing Wolves and Villa and Birmingham and Coventry, those local derbies. And you know, the South Coast needs that. You know, there's what's wrong with Brighton, Portsmouth, Southampton, and, and Bournemouth all being in the Premier League and having having local derbies. And you know, it's uh, I think it's better for the area, definitely. So yeah, cheers. And All the best.
1: Thank you so much, Vince. and Thank you for everybody for joining us on this special show. Please do remember to hit the like, the subscribe and the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Please do check out our recent interview with Sean Teal, where he does discuss his time at the club, plus also Aston Villa and much, much more. We've also had Paul Mitchell on the show as well, and That's a really, really interesting interview that we had with him last week. We've also had Steve Fletcher, Steve Cook, Harry Redknapp, Luther Blizzard, plus much, much more. So please do remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Do remember to check out our podcast, Cherry Picking, where we talk about everything going on at Dean Court. And do remember... The opposition preview shows will be back very, very soon as well. So until the next video, up the cherries and we'll see you then.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Right at home.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: This podcast
0: is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.